0: Good morning and welcome to Rimrock Church. So good, man. Thank you, Jesus, for another beautiful day. Just think about, in four months from now, you're gonna wish you could be hot like this, right? So let's lift up the name of Jesus. is filled with his glory yes it is amen amen yeah give the lord a hand he is, is good
1: i love you lord oh your mercy never fails Been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will see of the goodness of God. Amen. Sing it to him, oh my. and
2: Rimrock. Thanks for being out here on this beautiful Sunday morning. We are so blessed to have this um, beautiful venue to be able to worship God. Just to have a few announcements, and then we want to update uh, you guys on um, Uganda. So first of all, if you're visiting, uh, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Welcome, number one. But we do have a little table uh, back underneath the basketball hoop towards the, the back there. First, you have to make a free throw, and then you have to fill out a, <laughs> a small card um, just to help us get to know you better. Um we'd love to, to get to know you that way. Second of all, um, today is an annual meeting, and that will be held in the worship center inside, so that will be directly after uh, service this morning. Um, my name is Court Herman, and this is my wife, Rebecca. We have been working with um, an organization in Uganda called Hands of Love. We've updated you guys uh, in the past on that, and you guys have responded i'm going to have my wife um start just by giving you some information on that and then we'll give you some kind of current updates on where we're at with everything so
3: good morning so the last time that i um got up here and gave you an announcement on what was happening with hands of love we were in full throng covid crisis it was late in december 2020 probably um and like many third world countries, Uganda was uh, in deep suffering for what they were going through, and the kids at the orphanages um, were in the midst of that. So when we talked about that and when I, I explained what was going on, you responded as you always have with great concern, um, great generosity, and um, great prayer. So since that time, there's been some things that have happened that we have – we have struggled with as uh, Hands of Love supporters. So COVID revealed that there were some things going on um, with the accountability piece of the finances that weren't very clear. And um, in 2021, of Octo- October 2021, the board here at the US, on the US side, shut down all donations going to Uganda because there were some just answers they weren't getting that they needed to get and they didn't feel comfortable taking anyone's money until those answers were given. So everything was shut down and nobody was donating anymore and haven't been since October. During that time, the board stateside here was trying to get answers from Elijah Sabuchu who is the leader and the founder of Hands of Love and what's a friend of ours as well And um, they just were not able to get those answers. Whether he was unable or unwilling, no one was really able to figure out, but they brought him here, they tried to talk to him, and things just were not coming forth. Um, In January, because of this, the board, uh, the U.S. board here all resigned. At this point, Uh, We were in deep grief because we knew that if there had been some financial issues on Elijah's end, that was going to, and us shutting everything down on our end, was going to impact the children. So um, the board resigned and we were kind of left with wondering what to do. Uh, We knew that we had to cut Elijah out of the picture because we couldn't get the answers we needed from him, but we also knew that the children still needed us. So at this point, a new board was formed, and um, Court was asked to be on that board. So I'm gonna let him talk about what they've been doing since to try to restructure uh, without Elijah, and um, just kind of give you an update to where we are now. They have been, I can just tell you as the wife of the board member, (laughs) that they have spent many, many hours in prayer. Many, many hours in prayer. It's been really hard for our family, but not just our family, but across the board, people who've supported and loved this organization for so many years. And there's been just a deep, deep grief that has come with um, the knowledge of what's happened with Elijah personally. But there's 2,000 kids plus that still need us, and we have to figure out how to help. So court has donated not donated he's just given a great amount of his free time and his own personal peace to be a part of that process and I'm just it's I want him to tell you kind of what they're talking about now um, but I just want to thank you before he does that for all of your support and your patience because you know it's been a weird strange process and I know it's been hard for everybody who has given both financially and prayerfully to these kids
2: Thanks. yeah it definitely has been an emotional time and a difficult time um the when the board resigned we were asked there's several of us now on the board and um we were asked to to kind of fill in these spots you know when you are asked to be on a board do you think it's just going to be kind of sliding in and and just running what's already there that has changed completely so we've we've cut relations with Elijah and the challenge is now you know since covid the the children were sort of dispersed and they were they were not allowed to be in the schools and so just keeping track and figuring out where these children were has been a major challenge um, and then obviously the support hasn't been able to get there so as the board, our, you know, our two goals, number one is the children. That's what got any of us involved in this in the first place was trying to help children, uh, orphans. You know, that's, that's the key. The second part of, of the board is to, to hold the finances and uh, purchases and all those things. You know, there's, there's got to be an accountability there, and that's what we felt we were lacking. So since that time, we realized, you know, there's been some issues with that. We've actually got an attorney in Uganda, um... Some of the other issues that are, are challenging are that we're here in South Dakota, which is awesome. It's on Western time. But the actual board uh, where the, uh, the main board is for Hands of Love is in uh, Atlanta, so most of our meetings are at 5 a.m. I'm not a huge morning person, so that's been a little challenging, making these times work and then trying to work with people in Uganda who are on a totally different time than we are. So. The communication aspect has definitely been challenging we do appreciate your patience Um, where we are currently is we have a few members on the ground in uganda that are still one trying to locate the kids but secondly trying to figure out how we can get them back in school we're no longer using the hands of love school we're not comfortable doing that with the accountability issues and some other things that we have going on with that so we're trying to determine what that is gonna look like. Do we send them to just schools that are nearby? Do we look to try to start a school uh, of our own there? Um, there, Or do we team up even with another ministry in Uganda? So there's so many facets there. But the key is we don't just wanna uh, support kids and get them in school. I mean, that is an awesome thing, but we want them to hear the gospel. And so knowing that you know when we were working with Hands of Love, we felt that was happening at the time. So. Even though you know there's some things that we found out, having been to Uganda several times, my wife has been there, we knew um, that the gospel was being preached, we knew that the word was being heard, um, and we knew that these kids were being taken care of. We saw that firsthand. Um, and so that's our goal is to continue that, but we wanna do that in a way that we can make sure that they're still hearing the gospel and not just being educated. Education is very important, but we want that, um, and more important we feel like is gonna be the gospel. So um we do have people on the ground we're still trying to figure out the structure we're basically starting over Um, it's it's been challenging that way we appreciate your patience and the prayers if you have specific questions more than willing to to help answer them you can call us you can talk to us Um, we're just we're just in kind of this weird time and it's been challenging so i appreciate the uh, the opportunity that we could have to to visit with you about that again any questions at all we're more than willing to happen so the the awesome thing is is that god is sovereign and he's got this so we're just we're just men we're just board members uh, elijah's just a man as well but uh, god loves all of us he loves those children and he cares and i, I do believe that he will make a way for this to uh, to be successful so that they can be taken care of so father thank you for this awesome awesome morning thank you for Just this great place that we have to worship and thank you for this worship that we can lift up to you god just open our hearts open our Mm -hmm. minds to you to your word god just to your love anyone that doesn't know you lord we just pray that they would feel your presence here today in a powerful way and that they would be drawn straight into your heart god thank you for all you give us and thanks most of all for jesus in his name we pray amen
1: I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Sin separated, the breach was far too wide.
0: For this beautiful day, Lord, and thank you that you love us in the midst of our brokenness, God. Not as we should be, but as we are, you love us. And we thank you for that, God. We do pray over the Uganda ministry that you would heal and then uh, provide for your children, God. But even in the midst of that brokenness, in the midst of our individual brokenness, God, you are a loving, compassionate God, and we thank you for that. So, Lord, speak to us now through your word, through Brady, and, uh, yeah, thanks, Lord. Amen.
4: Hey, there you are. Amen. Thanks, Tom. You may be seated. Wow, so good to be together. So thankful for you guys. I'm so thankful for Court and Rebecca. I, I, uh, I thank God for them, and they've introduced us to Uganda as a church, and they've uh, shown us God's heart for the people of Uganda, and it's blessed rimrock beyond beyond words. So I'm so thankful for them. So thankful for last week, as Nick preached in Mark, that the gates of hell will not overcome his church. Do you believe that this morning? (laughs) God's church. God is building his kingdom through his people, and you're part of that. I'm part of that. One of the things that I pray for often for us as a church, as a pastor, is that we would be unselfish, that we would be like Jesus. As we've gone through the gospel of Mark, they've We've seen Jesus go outside the borders, outside of Israel, right, to reach people, to tell people about the love of God and the salvation of God. And my prayer is that as a church, we will never lose God's heart for the people of this world, but not just across the oceans, like right here in Rapid City, our neighborhoods, but also in our region. And so this morning we have a special guest, uh, Barry uh, Vector and Lisa's here, his wife. Lisa's in the back and it's her birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa. Um, but I've gotten to know Barry this last year. Uh, Barry moved from Wisconsin uh, to Colorado, and uh, he serves our our district in the Evangelical Free Church, and so he gets to serve uh, a lot of different churches in Colorado and Wyoming and, and the Black Hills of South Dakota. Now, many of you don't know this, but uh, Rimrock was part of the Evangelical Free Church, and when this church was starting up in the A-frame, there was a little building up there. There was a small group of people that were gathering, believing that that Jesus was building his church right here in the Black Hills and that the gospel needed to be preached here. And so it was the district, other churches in our area that came alongside that small group of people with money and encouragement and support. And so we as a church are blessed by the Rocky Mountain District because the district invested in us. And now as a church, we are investing in other churches. I've talked to other pastors in our region who've said Rimrock has blessed us. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Rimrock Church. And so now we're able to give and bless others. And so, Barry, we're just excited to have you. Thank you for sharing the word with us this morning. Thanks, Ben.
5: What is a at one point or another was a church plant and as God drew and gave them a specific mission really our role is to encourage to support to serve sometimes that means when a church is without a pastor that we help uh, to get them connected with where they can find candidates some of it deals with when there's church conflict that we come in and help and encourage and seek reconciliation and get them back toward their mission again we offer um, conferences during the year to equip ministry leaders we have uh, 10 pastor gatherings uh, throughout this region that I travel with where the pastors get together and they and they pray with and for one another and so I've put on about 45,000 miles on my car in this last year uh, just getting a chance to meet some of the churches and the pastors and ministry leaders that are part of that uh, district. As Ben was saying, I, my wife Lisa, we've been married for 33 years. She is here with me. We have seven children. And the, the story of that is is that while we were in seminary, we were told that we would not be able to to have children. And so we started to look at the possibility of uh adoption and the next thing you know in my last year in seminary my wife was getting sick and they couldn't figure out why she was sick and the next thing you know they did a pregnancy test and they said there's really not any human explanation but you're pregnant and now we have seven children that we have been blessed with uh we have a son-in-law a daughter-in-law and we we had our first grandchild last year uh the thing is is that he's in wisconsin (laughs) And we're here. And so we're praying and praying those uh, kids to hopefully come uh, into the district in Colorado where we live. Really what God has laid in my heart today is uh, the title of my message is important reminders as we follow Jesus together. I think one of the things that came out of the pandemic time is the reality of how much we really do need one another. Not just in the sense of the local church, but also the the church. All those who believe in the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. So today, I want to talk about some of those reminders. In fact, because God knows us so well. Just in the Old Testament, over 150 times, it says, remember this. And it wasn't that the, the people of God didn't have the knowledge of it in their head. But they were not experiencing it. They were not practicing it. Maybe they got distracted, or maybe something was controlling their life that, again, moved them away from God's purposes and plans. Um, but I want to remind you in your own mission uh, today of some important things as we kind of uh, learn from what God revealed to us about, uh, during the pandemic about the culture that we're called to bring the gospel to. In fact, part of our desire as a district is to see every church work with other gospel-centered churches... To bring the gospel to every man, woman, and child, and to see them become followers of Jesus Christ, who then make other followers of Jesus Christ. And so, what I want to do is to to go back to a really foundational passage. If we really believe that Jesus is spoke about throughout the scriptures, which he said after he rose again from the dead, and he was talking with the two guys from uh, Emmaus, and as they were on the road, that everything about scripture is about Jesus. And so I want to start there first before we go to an important passage and find some ways in which we can apply this to our lives this week and for you as a local church. So I'd like you to open up your Bibles first of all, if you would, to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. The reason why I want to start here is that um, one of the the things that I did in my life uh, before I went into pastoral ministry was I was a public school teacher and coach and I've been coaching athletics but also a life coach for 40 years now and one of the most important things about teams is uh, can they again accomplish the fundamentals and become so proficient at it that it becomes just a way of life and how they perform on the field or how they again work with the other teammates when I was 19 years old I had had grown up in the church and there was a significant event that happened in my life that summer before I started school after I graduated from high school and the significant event was I had a friend ever since kindergarten and uh, his name was Ron and Ron and I were friends when when he was in eighth grade his uh, parents had problems in the marriage and they got a divorce and it really shook Ron up and Ron uh, began to really rebel and he stopped being involved with athletics he He became a part of the drug scene. He was one of the major drug dealers on our campus. Um, I really didn't hang out with him much after that. We'd have occasional conversations. I knew he was hurting. And yet, in the midst of all of that, um, I never really spoke to him about our relationship with Jesus. Because even though I was a religious kid and went to church, I didn't have my own experience with Christ. and I I was not born again. And Ron, on the way back from a party that summer, hit a telephone pole and he was killed. And it shook me to my core. And I began to think about what life was about and why I was here and, and why I really never shared my faith uh, with Ron. So when I when I went to school at La Crosse and was running on the cross-country track team there, um, I, I ran across an individual who was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. And he began to share the gospel with me and and invited me to go to a Christmas conference uh, in Chicago with 2,000 other college students, and on December 29th of 1981, so I just celebrated my 40th spiritual birthday, as I was there, the speaker was talking about, again, the the story of the rich young ruler, who was a religious guy who, again, was seeking eternal life, but wasn't willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. And so in the text there, it says that Jesus loved him and he told them the truth about what he needed to do, which was to give up everything. And to not put your hope in your salvation in, in riches or anything else, but be willing to give it all up and allow Jesus, again, the Lord, to lead that individual's life. And I felt like the Lord was speaking directly to me. And so before we came forward, this was the passage uh, that the, the teacher was teaching on. I'd like to read it to you is a foundational aspect of our Christian life and our relationship with Christ that we need to constantly remind ourselves of. In verse 25, it says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now I had heard those words when I was in church, but now they took on different meaning. I began to realize the, the root issue in my own heart, which I have found is multiplied over and over again with people that I've shared my faith with, is the reality that uh, we place something above our relationship with God. That we want to be control of what happens in our life. And whether it's our family, that we elevate higher than our relationship with God, or even as it says in our own life, Jesus is inviting us into something in which he then can lead us in terms of his lordship in our families and how we live our lives. And so he goes on and he says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus, because he loves us, and because he's a jealous God, he doesn't want to see anything in our lives end up controlling us and destroying our lives ultimately, putting our hope and salvation in those things. He offers us this freedom from the fear of losing things, of our very life itself. And because he's a loving Lord, he is offering up an opportunity for us to approach life with open hands like this instead of a closed fist. And for much of my first 19 years of my life, I approached life with a closed fist. I said, God, I don't want to give that up. I want to run my life in those ways. And in that moment, on December 29th, I finally realized the loving Lord was offering me an opportunity to be free from my fears. You see, I was a young man who was controlled by fear. The first speech I gave when I was a freshman in high school, I fainted because I was so afraid of what people thought of me. I was already developing an ulcer when I was 16 years old. I was afraid of dying, and there were significant deaths that were beginning to happen in and through my life, including the death of my grandfather, who I was close to. And so in the midst of that, Jesus was speaking to me and saying, I want to free you of those fears. Now all of us know this, going through the pandemic, that one of the blessings of that was it was revealing the things that we were trusting in, the culture itself. And so in the the midst of all the fears that people had of losing their health and losing their life because they didn't know what was going to happen when they would die, the reality is, is that God was opening up our eyes again to the opportunities for us to speak to people who were controlled by fear. Or how about the reality of the loss of the economic security and the fears that were attached to that? And so for me, it comes down to this kind of beginning point again where God is inviting us to not allow anything to control us, anything that we would worship, that we would give it all to him in surrender, which is the foundational aspect from the passage I'm going to read to you right now of some things that I want to remind you about to remember. And so if you would, turn over with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Over 300 times in the scriptures, it tells us to fear not. And the culture here, and why I chose this particular passage, is the first century culture was very similar to America's culture right now. So as Timothy is hearing these words from Paul, who is his spiritual father, who is again dealing with the root issues that Timothy had, as you read the different instructions to him, that he was a guy who was controlled at times by fear. He was timid. And so as Timothy was learning these things, he was passing them on to the church, which is what we do as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so this book is the last book that Paul wrote before um, he, again, went to be with Jesus. There's kind of last words and testament in many ways of some things to really, that are really important to remember. So notice what it says here, beginning in verse 3. It begins by saying, I thank God whom I serve, as I did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of, notice the word there, fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Now I don't have time to go in depth to all the wonderful truths that are in here for all of us as followers of Jesus. But again I want to point out four realities here that kind of deal with four fears at times that we have that get in the way of our following of Jesus in a complete way. In a surrendered way. In a way in which we are really intentional about Again, our witness, our gospel witness to the community around us. In verse 5, we see a reminder here that Paul is giving Timothy about his conversion. So the first point I want to make with you is this. Remember your conversion. Would you say the word conversion with me? Conversion. He's reminding him of what he sees in his life. That is a a sincere faith. It's an authentic faith that... It's something that dwells within him. It's a part of who he is. It's the center of who Timothy is. And for all of us, I I think of this fear of sharing our faith. It is one of the greatest fears uh, that I had to overcome in my own life. And there's a lot of reasons why we have that. And so that fear can be dealt with, first of all, remember your own conversion. What Jesus has saved you from and what he has saved you for. It begins to give you an eternal perspective about your life. That your life is a vapor. And it's short, and God has saved you, but he has saved you for a specific purpose. He doesn't automatically just zap you up into heaven once you're saved. But he has a purpose and a plan for all the relationships that are a part of your life. I still remember when Bill Rader and John Swanson, who were discipling me when I was in college, said that the reason why I was in the dorm room that I was in, the reason why he gave me the gifts that he did to run, the classes that I was taking to get my degree, was to build relationships with people, to be a friend of sinners, to earn a right then to share the gospel. And it changed my whole life from that point on over the last 40 years. To remember what your life was like And what your life is now with Christ and what your future will be because you have a relationship with him. And what it begins to do is to allow you to have compassion on people who do not know Jesus. To remember what their life is like apart from him. And so as you begin to think about this in your own life, I think about it in my own life think about one of my daughters who right now is a wanderer and a prodigal that she's been in that state for eight years now. And the fears at times that overcome my wife and I and, and even her siblings about what will happen if she doesn't come to a point of being converted to Jesus Christ. Or I think about relatives that I've been praying for years or for the people that God has brought into my life uh, through even the neighborhood that we're a part of now, that God has placed us in. And so for us to overcome that fear is to, again, remember our conversion and to hope again for the work of God and the people's lives that God has placed in our life, that they too will be saved one day. So remember your conversion. But there's something else here also that's a a great reminder to us in verses 6 and 9. He talks about a holy calling. And then that calling that we are to fan it into flame. That it is not supposed to just remain dormant, but is something that continually is used. So remember your calling. Would you say the word calling with me? Calling. Your calling is... ...made up of five aspects that I'd like you to remember and remind one another about often. This holy calling, this gift that God has given you. And it, and it again, is reflected in the acronym of the word SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E. Now, again, when I was uh, coaching... Again, athletic teams, I wanted my team to be in shape, and so we would we'd have to practice those things over and over again so that they were in shape when it came to the game. And for us, uh, the, the game of life that God has made us a part of, these four aspects need to be activated and practiced all the time. If you put up your fist like this and put up your first finger, go ahead, join me in that, participate, there we go points to the Lord and the first thing the S stands for your spiritual gifts that come from the Holy Spirit your spiritual gifts every one of you has at least one spiritual gift that has been given you so that you can use that to encourage the body toward its purposes second one up there if you hold your fingers up there the peace sign right up there the H is your heart it's the passions that God has given you if you are to be enthusiastic about, that you are pursuing and inviting others to pursue those same, same things with you. The third one is the A are your abilities. Your natural abilities that God has given you. Most of you are living it out in your vocation, your work. But those natural abilities can be used in lots of different ways in serving the body of Christ. In serving the community to, to build relationships with lost people. The fourth one up there, the P, is your personality. Now, in your personality, some are more extroverted and some are more introverted, but God uses all personality types. Here's the thing about personality, though. If that personality is overcome by fear, until the person is over, finds a way to overcome those fears, their personality actually may be something else, and that was my case. If you would have met me when I was a young person, you would have said that I was extremely shy, that I was certainly an introvert. But when the Lord started dealing with my fears and my fear of what people thought of me and dealing with my fear of death, of all those things, no one who meets me today would say that I am a shy person. What God had to do is to free me from that, so my identity was found in Him. And for some of you, that's the case, As your personality will change as you continually mature and live out your identity in Christ. The last one up there is the E is your experiences. So give a high five to the person next to you because that's your calling. Your E are your experiences that have happened to you. Experiences that are a reason because you chose those things. But sometimes experiences that happen in our lives because of the choices of others. And God wants to redeem all those experiences and use those in a way so that we can worship Him as He redeems them, but also to use them to connect with other people who have went through similar circumstances. So remember your calling. The third thing I see here in verse 7 is this little phrase where it says, God gave us. That our God is a giving God. He is a gracious God who provides for all of our needs and we need to remember where our confidence is found. So say the word confidence with me. Confidence. Our confidence is not in our abilities. Our confidence is in God's ability and what he can do in and through a person who has surrendered and approaches life this way. Who does not say I'm not going to do this or I'm afraid to do this. But says, God, what do you want to do with my life? God gets the most glory when he, again, works in and through us in ways in which we don't always feel like we're adequate in. He just wants our availability. And so we see this here as Paul is speaking to Timothy about the reality of the sufficiency in our relationship with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to live what he has called us to do. And we need to remember that and remind one another about that always. The fear of not measuring up. The fear that somehow we have doubts about whether or not we can do what God has called us to do. What does Galatians 2.20 says? For I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who gave himself up for me. As Jesus lived the surrendered life and gave all that he had where he requires of our life as well as that we give him everything and allow him to use every single part of our life to find our confidence in what he alone can do. That leads me to my last point this morning. To remember your connection with the body of Christ. Would you say the word with me? Connection. Connection. Well, I don't have time. I'm already pretty close to being out of time here. Verses 8 through 14. There's great truth here, but the main truth I want you to see here is that one of the things that we need to fight in our culture in this rugged individual and this individual private reality of pulling ourselves out by our own bootstraps and what's good for me in it is the reality that God does not see his church that way. You were all necessary in the body of Christ. And so what we see even in these verses here is the, the pronouns us and we and you all. Like in the South, y'all. Not you, just personally, but all of you. Yes, our faith is extremely personal, but it is all of us together who live this out. And to remember our connections with one another and how much we need one another, that we're interdependent, not only in the sense of the local church here, but all the free churches that are a part of this district then we need to pray for and with one another and to encourage one another because there's never been a time in the history of the United States where there has not been a need of the Holy Spirit movement through, in and through his churches to bring the hope of the gospel to people who are broken and lost and have no hope in this world. A spiritual awakening, a revival that would sweep, that will come through the people of God as they surrender their lives and as they're humble, and laying out their faith before others. And so at the, be- at the end of this, it says, so follow the Lord Jesus. Renew, remember where your confidence is found. Remember where your calling is found. Re- remember that you're not alone when you're doing this. And so I look forward to continually see what God does in and through Rimrock Church. And so would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again for... Again, this opportunity to, to sing, to remember who you are, to remember what your word says to us in the, in the midst of our current realities and circumstances that we live in, that you do not want us to be overcome by fears. you tell us over 300 times to not be afraid. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So God, as we leave this week, we, we ask that you would convict us of any areas that we're holding on to that we're not surrendering to you. To remember again our conversion and the calling that comes out of that and where our confidence is found. And to remember our connection with one another and that we would give encouragement, that we would give courage to all of us this week. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Ben and all the pastors who are here and the elder leadership, and I pray for your favor on them. And we look forward to seeing what you're going to do in and through your church this week. We pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. I called you Brady. Sorry, Barry. Let's uh, sing this song together. I was thinking about what Barry was just uh, sharing, and though we didn't plan on doing this song, I thought maybe we could do the chorus of, "I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer slave."
1: Shadow, when <laughs> you're singing
0: us down. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming. Don't forget about the membership meeting at 1030 up in the sanctuary. And uh, yeah, God bless you. Have a great week.